I got a, a message today that the Holy Spirit has really, uh, like I said, I believe it, I really do listen, and I want you to know that. I want you to know that if I could share this as your pastor, I, and, I, and you guys have heard me say these kind of things before, really, I make a really, really aggressive and a, um, just intentional attempt to listen to the Holy Spirit, because I don't want to just say stuff that's like just stuff that's good to hear and it makes me, tickles my ears or, you know, educates you a little bit. I, I really want to bring God into our presence, His presence into our presence to where we leave this place. I mean, we're, we're taking, we're allocating a good two hours of a Sunday morning, which I got to tell you, good job. You know, that's, that's good. I really mean that. That's really good. Um, I've been, we've been, I've been going out to the casino about twice a month lately, Thunder Valley Casino, because they have a Dos Coyotes out there. Oh, that's like my favorite restaurant. And last night I went out there and I got to tell you, I was awestruck as to how many people, how many people just how many people were there? And I'm like, okay, it's a Saturday night. And I'm like, but I'm like, wow, I like going to church. And I don't know, it's just, I, I'm not, there's no judgment there, but I'm just like, wow. And just the, just, if I could say it this way, because I think it was like, I just noticed it, I, rec I saw it, and I was just like, I almost walked out of there just crying because of the so many people that were just giving it their all for that jackpot. Or, and I'm just like, wow. And I'm like walking out of there with my delicious steak tacos. And I'm like, I'm as happy as a clam because I can't wait to get home and eat these babies. But at the same time, I'm saddened in my heart because I'm seeing just so many, many. And that's what the word came to me that Jesus said, many. He said that very phrase, that very word, many will choose to go down the road that is wide and easy. And few will take a path that's straight and narrow. And there's something that's taking place in our day right now that, that I believe to be happening. There's two narrative, narratives, and this is what the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and I want you to hear this. So as I was driving around this week, I, I was listening to the Holy Spirit. I do like to do something. I, I like to listen to God in the shower, in, in my vehicle, whatever vehicle I'm driving, um, so when I'm driving by myself, I, I don't have anything on, no radio, no, and I don't answer phone calls unless it's my wife, and yeah, I'll try to pull over and talk or put my thingy in my ear or something, but um, so I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, listening to God, just talking to Him, just, just talking and praying and talking to Him, and He, and he shared with me these, this thing that I, I need to read it, I, I had to had to write it down because I was, this was really good. And 
So listen to this. It said, there's, um, this is what I felt he spoke to me in this moment. There's two narratives being told right now that are very, very clear and concise and very loud. One narrative is, is presenting life and the other narrative is presenting death. And every individual has the freedom to choose which narrative to listen to and therefore follow. Death's narrative has a theme, and the theme is fear, with a plot that begins with twisted lies and false promises, such as the very first one, which is, was, if you listen and follow me, Satan, that is, who is the father of lies, that narrative, you will be like God. This narrative is, is one that Satan uses deception to lure you in. The end result is always death or separation from God, the same thing. And if you choose to follow this narrative, you will find yourself filled with despair, hopelessness, to, to the point of, and this is, this is what key word that, he's, that, that I heard, to the point of paralysis until death. Life's narrative is completely opposite. But almost not just opposite, but it's actually, there's something even, it goes farther than anything that we can even fathom. Life's narrative, the theme is faith, with a plot that's centered around, this is the key word, inheritance. An eternal inheritance that has no limits of all that is good. <laughs> Did you hear that? Uh, this, I just heard something really amazing, and it just, inside my spirit, it, 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 something jumped. An eternal, eternal inheritance that has no limits of all that is good. That's for us. I offer peace to all who listen and follow me. The result has no ending, only continuous blessings. Its storylines are you and I placing our trust in our Creator, our Heavenly Father, our Savior Jesus. Each story is unique, special, and relational to our loving God, filled with movement and purpose. That was really good. I think I need to like somehow, well, I wrote it down. I did write it down. I think I need to write that down. Oh, wait, I did. I'll even send it to you if you'd like me to because it was so, so rich. And as I I, you know, it's one of those things that when the Lord gave it to me, I, I remembered it so much I could actually write it down later, and that's so I knew that it, that it was God. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah. If I don't, if I don't write stuff down, it's here. You go. Yeah. Two narratives being told, being spoken, being pushed, promoted. Life or death, faith or fear. Have you noticed something that's taken place in our culture? The narrative of death is, is uh, and I'm going to say some things that are just straightforward, and I think we're okay with that here in this room. The narrative of death is aggressively presenting a story of an enlightened identity, which is very plainly altering our God-given identity. 
We see it all the time. And here's the thing that I'm noticing, and I'm noticing very clearly, and if you watch any sort of TV, it doesn't matter. You know, there is no public television any longer, so it's all streamed or whatever. But no matter what, if you stream something, you have to watch commercials. Well, now the, the, the commercial base is, is it's a free-for-all because there's no regulations that are regulating it because we have to pay for it. You guys catching that? Hello? And so you're seeing commercial bases that are... That, are, that have this narrative of there's some good and then there's some off, but right now there's this movement of all, all of the, uh, his storylines amongst all media has this narrative that an identity, somebody that chooses an identity, whether it's a gender or a, 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 a sexual lifestyle, homosexuality, uh, binary sexuality, whatever it is, they're presenting this concept and this, 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 this narrative as one that is full of life and peace and fulfillment and happiness because we've discovered our true enlightened identity. And, and here's, the, here's what I want us to get at. And, I, and I'm, I don't make fun of it that way. I don't, please me, I'm not mocking that. But what I am in, what I'm saying straightforward is it's a lie. Because every single individual every, that I personally know, my eyesight tells me something different. Everybody that I know that has chosen a lifestyle, has chosen to surrender to a lie, is miserable. They're, 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 they're hopeless. They're full of despair. They don't know what to do with themselves. They can't find out. And, 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 and you want it, they want to blame it on something else or you know, our staunch religious beliefs. And the, the bottom line is this, and this is what the sad part that I'm hearing, and it's a narrative that people are buying into, is if you live this way, you'll find your true self. And all that that's happening is they're losing their true identity. They're surrendering it to a, an absolute deceptive lie. And it breaks my heart, and I know it breaks the heart of God because God created every single one of us in the womb, designed us, male and female, to love him, to, to give our lives to him. That's our design. And when we alter the design of the creator, the master potter who, who molds us as we are, who's molding that Baby Oliver in my daughter's womb right now. As a young man that's going to serve him and glorify him with his entire life. I see that. I know that. I believe that. Because that's what I know is to be true. Because the narrative of, of the Bible is one that is of truth and purpose and life and peace. And I'm sharing this because what I'm seeing and what I'm seeing the Holy Spirit doing is he's, he's challenging us, believers, the body of Christ. Say, which narrative are you going to follow? Which one are you going to start listening to? Keep listening to. Because if you haven't noticed, we have an election coming up. Hello? And if you haven't noticed from our past elections, especially the last one, the narrative is going to get super twisted. And the lies are going to come at us so hard and fast. And, and, and not only that, but, you know, it's going to be, like I said, the, the theme is going to be fear, 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 fear. And if you tune it in, turn it on, you will start to, 
it'll start to like come over you. Hello? Come on. I, I, I'm, I'm just calling it as it is so that we can choose, so that we can freely choose. Here's the question. Who are you choosing to listen to? And here's, here's if you can, if, there's a, if there would be an indicator light of who you're choosing to listen to, this would be it. And it's very simple. It's, it's, it's you're, the evidence of your life shows who you're listening to. Uh, you could t- I could tell you who you're listening to, which narrative you're following by the life that you're living. Is there evidence of faith in your life or is there evidence of fear in your life? So I'm going to talk about this for a minute because this passage of Scripture in James um, <clears throat> is pretty revealing. It's James chapter 2, starting in verse 14. This is what James said. James, the brother of Jesus, he speaks this way. In fact, the entire book of James, only five chapters, it's like, it's, it's pretty, if you could say it, gritty. It gets right in our face. And, and he, he starts out that way, and he ends that way. He's like, in my face. And this is what he says. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. That's such a mysterious statement. If you were just to plop that out without the context, you would be a little concerned about this Bible that you read. But in the context of what he's speaking of it, it makes a lot of sense. Faith by itself isn't enough. In fact, I'd like to, before I move on, I'd like to point it out in in this illustration that I that I ran across that I think is pretty amazing. It's, it's clear. Have any of you ever done any, um, any work with uh, epoxy? Epoxy. Okay. Uh, most, most of us have, at least to some extent. Okay, there's even products out there. Uh, Weldcrete. Anybody use Weldcrete for anything? I know it's us that don't have a welder at home. We got to use the little Weldcrete to fix metal stuff. But epoxy has the same functionality, if you will, the same functioning um, uh, substances in that it has a thing called resin, and the resin, the resin of the epoxy is, it, it, it's, it's this gooey, liquidy stuff, right? You guys with me? It's a gooey, liquidy stuff. Resin by itself will, if you don't put into this resin what is called a hardener or a catalyst, if you don't mix the catalyst inside the resin, mix it well, the epoxy or the resin itself will stay gooey and never get hard. What James is describing is that concept of, of faith. If you have faith, in other words, you have these beliefs that are good. But if it's not mixed with 
the catalyst or the hardener, which is actions. In other words, if it's not put into action, it's dead. That's what he calls it, dead, useless, of no good. Hello? I mean, he even gives this cute little example. is like somebody comes in and they, they're hungry. And you just say, oh, have a good day. I'm sorry about that. You know, go eat well, be fed. And you don't actually help feed them. You don't do anything to help them. That's a dead faith. That's like it does nothing. Hello? You ever been in a situation like that? where you've come into a, the presence of somebody that actually has the ability or can help you with something that you need help with. I mean, a, a tire changed on the side of the road, a, a wrench borrowed from a neighbor, and you just say, well, that's nice. I'm, I hope you figure it out. You have a good day. You're like, well, that sucked. You didn't help me out at all. Like, man, what good does that do? Have a good day? I mean, I like how the Living Translation says that. Just Go have a good day. I, I, that ought to check us to saying that, right? Maybe a little bit. Anyway, so let's move on because what he's talking about is that this very thing is, is action, movement. And remember that word that the Lord gave me is, is this storyline of faith is going to have movement with purpose. Whereas the storyline with fear is going to have paralysis until death in other words there's no movement hello and when you start reading the bible this way and you look at it with these storylines these narratives you see that jesus brought to the table so many different teachings for us to understand that so many parables for us to really get that you know from the 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 good workers in the vineyard to to the parable of the sower uh, all the things it's it requires action on our part to do something, to put it into play, all the way down to the end where he talks about separating the sheep from the goats. Remember? And the goats were the people that like, when did I ever see you hungry or tired or, or in prison? I, if I would have known it was you, Jesus, I would have done something. And Jesus said, if you, would, if you didn't do it to even the least person, you didn't do it to me. So he's, you know, all the way down to that, that final judgment is what did you do? Hello? Now, why, why are so many preachers afraid to preach about this? Because it's all, it's all about works. Can't make it about works. So much so that we counterbalance it and we make it all about something that isn't really anything. It's dead. Dead faith. I don't want nothing to do with it. Hello? Anybody else in the room, I want nothing to do with dead faith. Dead faith does nothing to me, does nothing for me, and does nothing for you. If you don't give that person any food or clothing, what good does it do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough, unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. So now someone may argue. <laughs> I like this, huh? Yeah, James and Paul, they did these things constantly. Like, you may argue with this, but here, let me point out how your argument has holes. So now someone may argue, well, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But James says this, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Oh, good for you. Seriously, he is really 
nailing us really hard with sarcasm and cynicism and just to get our attention. Oh, good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? So here's where we're at. And this is where I am I'm really praying and asking the Holy Spirit to really speak this so that we understand it. Not just understand it with our mind, but really receive the, the truth to where something is done. We move, we leave this room altered, changed, following a narrative that is one that's full of life. The phrase that is uh, referred to as when, when he says, James says, is saying that, you say that God is one and I believe. It's a phrase that is, was used in that day that said, you know, hey, God, you know, if I can say a bunch of things right here, I'm going to say them, okay? Will you guys allow me? W will you? Because I think it needs to be said. God is good. Right? Right? I mean, you hear that and you say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or how about this? Uh, how you doing? Blessed and highly favored. Forgive me for doing that. Because that's how I look at it. That's what I look at you when you do that to me. Blessed and highly favored. It means nothing unless you actually know and believe and understand. That's what Blake was pointing out. It's like those words, were, are, those, those are magic words don't have any effect Unless it's doing something. And that's what James is like. He's like, I, if I, I, I think he's just like going, bam, right in your jaw. Like, listen, listen. This is, life depends on it. Eternity is at stake. Jesus said it that way. Eternity is at stake. Cute little buzzwords that Christians use, and I know that's, that's what Blake was really like referring to, is we use cute little buzzwords, and we let somebody walk out hungry. I mean, I know in this church that's just not going to happen. But I'm thinking in Christianity <laughs> as a whole, Man, I, I weep because I see it. I see it. And it just, it's, it's just not right that we would let somebody go without and say, blessed and highly favored are you. Or God is good. Have a good day. And that's, he said, or we'll close our doors so that people will be safe. Safety is the key. That's the most important thing is to be safe. That's fear. That's 100% unadulterated, fear-based. Come on. I mean, read the book of the martyrs, and you tell me that they were worried about their safety. Come on. That's like, so since we're going here, Let's get really gritty. Hello? Are you guys okay? Yeah. All right. Nicholas says, yeah, I like it.
My prayer is that we would understand that being saved, we are saved by the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is not a magic word. It's his actual blood that his life poured out of him so that we could have life. So listen, we are saved to a new life by the blood of Jesus. And that's no small thing. And that's no small matter. And we're not saved just to have, listen to this, and this is where I, I feel really challenged, okay? Not only in myself, but I want to challenge us as God's people. We're saved more than to simply change our ideals. A follower of Jesus is just that, one that follows Jesus. I'm afraid that I'm seeing something, that we have diminished Christianity to idealism. Idealism. So I actually, when, I, when that word came to my mind, my spirit, I actually had to look it up. Not that I didn't know what it means, but I wanted to get a good definition. Is this. This is in the dictionary. Idealism. The tendency to represent things in an ideal form. Or as they might or should be, rather than as they are. With an emphasis on high values. You see, this is a form of deception. And I believe it, and I'm seeing it as very prevalent in the church today. And this is, I'm sharing this stuff because I, I feel like we, we have a choice. Because see, fear is going to cause us to be paralyzed. Where we don't move, we don't go because we need to be safe. We need to, be, we need to make sure we're doing all the right things and... Whereas faith moves us, moves us, compels us. True, authentic faith, like what you guys did last week by giving to Leon Patillo, that you were moved. You were moved. And you did. You acted. See, there's a deception that I believe that's taken place. And I'll give you some examples of this idealism. We believe we are saved by grace, right? Hello? The grace of God is that you have now unearned, you, you are standing in a place of unearned, unmerited favor with God and being right with God. See that if we, have, if we are just idealists in that regards, and this is where I want to challenge us, is that grace then is going to automatically, by faith, grace by faith, is going to compel us to extend grace to all who need it. Hello? Not just to receive grace, but to extend it. That means, that means you are going to extend the hand of grace to somebody that doesn't deserve it. Because you didn't either. I didn't either. I know I didn't. I did nothing to earn my salvation. Except say yes to Jesus when he said, here am I. Forgiveness. We believe in forgiveness because we need it. Amen? Forgiveness and mercy. But how often do we withhold it? Because it's our ideal. See, Christianity has 
moved into this I- state of idealism where, oh, we're, we're forgiving and we forgive, but just don't offend me. Don't disagree with me. Or else, uh, or here's, here's, a, here's one that I, I even hear. You all say this kind of stuff. Well, I helped him out one time and he didn't say thank you, so phooey on him. I'm never doing that again. You do, you get all twisted up in your face like, uh, like, wow. Okay. Have a good day. Generosity. Generosity is one that we, we, have you ever, have you ever been in these situations as a Christian where somebody pulls the, you're a Christian, you should do this for me. All right. Yeah. And if you don't go all out and give them everything that they ask for, well, that kind of Christian are you? Yeah. Generosity is something to be given because it's been given to us. Amen. Hospitality. Uh Uh-oh. I'm going to get gritty here. Ready? Everybody's welcome in this church. Just don't sit in my seat. Or move my table. Oh, dear. Maybe I shouldn't have said that one. A little too close for home, huh? If we don't, if there's not action, it's just idealism. Hello? You guys following with me? Because I, I feel like w- this is a place where there's, there's, there's got to be, there needs to be, not just ought to be, there absolutely needs to be movement. Faith is going to move us. Always going to move us. Kindness. It still is his kindness that leads us to repentance. If it's his kindness that leads you and I to repentance, isn't it your kindness that might lead somebody to Jesus and eternal life? Hello? I mean, that's just, that's, that's the basics, I think. I think that's just the basics. And, and I think we, we, there's, there's, we forget the basics sometimes because we sometimes get so caught up in ourselves that we think that we're at, a, at another level and we forget that, you know, I need to just do the basics, extend grace and forgiveness and kindness and generosity and goodness. I mean, just the flat-out fruits of the Spirit. Hello? And, and when we do those things, I believe that's when God, 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 God steps in, shows up, and gets all the glory. Hallelujah. Because I make it nothing about me and all about him. I want to share this little illustration because it's really fantastic. And I, I got more because it's really, it's, it's really good. Have you ever heard the parable of the two C's? It's, 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 it's not uncommon, it's not, but it's not known by a whole lot of people, but it's really an interesting parable. And it's really not really a parable because it's actually a depiction of, and I believe God actually gave us this and allowed us to see this. If you could pop that up there, Michael. <laughs> it's the Sea of Galilee and the, sea, and the Dead Sea. They actually do exist even to this day. You can see the Sea of Galilee is right there. In Israel, right there, in, uh, and the Jordan River flows into the Sea of Galilee, 
and then out of the Sea of Galilee. And around the Sea of Galilee, there's, it's full of life. There's over 20 species of fish that exist in the Sea of Galilee. And maybe that's not a lot to you, but that's a lot to them. And, and uh, there's life all around it. There's life that comes from it. There's life that flows through it. And then that same river, that Jordan River that flows into the Sea of Galilee and then out of the Sea of Galilee flows right directly into the Dead Sea. The same river, the same water source flows into the Dead Sea. Listen, why is it dead? But some, we could say that there's a geolog- geography reason because it's below sea level. And so because it's so far below sea level, nothing, there's no outlet. You tracking? Because there's no outlet, there's only an inlet. And there's nothing going out of it. It's as though it's paralyzed. It, the only water that re- go, goes out of the Dead Sea is from evaporation. And because that's the only way water for water to be removed, there's, there's so much salt and sulfur in that thing that there's nothing lives. I've never seen it personally, but I've seen people. I know Glenn was there and floated in it. He said it was like, like bathing in lighter fluid. It's like, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see it from a distance maybe. I don't know if I want to get that close, but that's okay because I've heard that the, the stench is so potent that you almost do, you have to almost have to wear a face mask and, and you have to instantly wash off because the sulfur is extremely potent. So you see what's taking place here is is a depiction, a picture, if you will, a parable that we can use, a modern-day one, that our lives are intended, are intended to have flow and movement. And yes, we're intended to receive and receive the goodness of God. But if it's just sticking with you and sticking on you, and if it's not coming out of you, then you're dying. And your faith is dead because there's no movement whatsoever. In other words, if we're not doing the stuff that Jesus tells us to do, if, we're, if, the, if our works are dead, in other words, we're just saying have a good day and do nothing, then we become like the Dead Sea. No growth whatsoever. No life source whatsoever. And that's, isn't that what James said? It's dead faith. So the compelling argument, if you will, is identifying the narratives, one of life, one of death, one of faith, one of fear. Don't allow in this day, because I'm going to tell you right now, and this isn't a prophetic word, this is just I have enough insight and the foresight to see the writing on the wall. Fear is going to be promoted more than ever before in our lifetime coming up real soon. Fear is going to be the narrative so strong that you're going to feel like if you don't follow it, you're in danger. Hello? I'm just telling you that's what's ahead for us as Christians, as followers of Jesus. 
our comfort level is going to get rocked. And maybe that's okay. Jesus is really good at taking care of his people. He always has been. He's not going to change. So I'm going to ask us to do one more last thing. You guys still with me? You know, I talk about James, and for some reason I got stuck in James this week, and that's okay. Um, James starts out his letter. He starts out his letter, in fact, the second verse in chapter 1, verse 2, he says this. And, and I'm going to just kind of break down this, this passage of Scripture, because I don't know about you, but how many of you have read this passage of Scripture and said, that ought to be blacked out of my Bible? Like that, like what is he even, why did he have to go and say these things that are like really, like really? Count it all joy, brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Before we talk about the counting it all joy, but we have to like, because he gives us this, like, here's what's going to take place. Because count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Some, I've, read, I've read, almost, I read almost like 10 translations of, of that, those two verses, three verses. Some would say as you fall into hardships or go through difficulties, but the bottom line is this, is when you think of a trial, what's the first thing you think of? I'm gonna, I'm, I need somebody to like, give me an answer. What's the first thing you think of? Trouble. Trouble. Okay. Suffering. suffering. Those are good. Those are good. Those are, those are, those are high-end trials there. Trouble, suffering. Hello? Huh? Doubt. Doubt? Okay. But I'm going to tell you what he actually is saying in here. Those are all good. Those aren't wrong. But... We need to understand what he actually says here. Trials of various kinds. The, it, it, all kinds is what he all, all says in other translations. A trial is this. I'm going to say it straight up. This is it. Anything in your life that doesn't work out how you think it should. Anything in your life that doesn't go as planned is a trial. When you think about it, that's true. Hello? I mean, I don't know how many times I'm just driving down the road and the light turns red on me. And it just stays red and nobody's coming. And it just stays red. And I'm like, hmm, hmm, hmm. Start breathing like a bull, and you know, I'm like, why is this light even red? There's nobody that you know. Oh, that's so petty. I know, and you know, and and we're laughing at that because you all have done it. But it just didn't work out how I planned it. I was just, I was going up. I was just minding my own business, driving down the road, and the and it just turned on me. But when we take it to everything, and, I, and please forgive me if I know using something so petty, because I know that there's real, real, real trials in our lives. 
things just don't work out as we plan or as we think they should. And he tells us to consider it joy because that's why he says, he says, for you know. And I'm thinking, do I? Do I really know that that testing, that testing, that testing, because that's what he says, that word, in every translation said, use that wording, that testing of your faith. The testing of your faith. When you go through a trial, it's a testing of your faith. Talking about faith being a movement that brings action, that's backed by, that's, that, 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 that stems from a word of, of, of life because I'm following a narrative that one is full of peace and life and direction and purpose. That's going to take faith to do that, to believe that, to follow that narrative of Jesus' narrative. And then he says that that's going to be tested. Hello? Okay, come on. Anybody in the room, if you, when you said yes to Jesus, everything in your life just has gone perfect, glorious, grand, no issues whatsoever. Absolutely not. You've all been tested and tried, and we've gone through these difficulties, struggles, sufferings, doubts. And it's a testing of our faith. And when we come through it, and that's why he says, because you know that that testing of your faith is producing steadfastness. Now, that's an interesting word. How many of you use that word on a regular basis in your English language? Nobody. So what's it mean? Steadfastness. The testing of our faith produces steadfastness. You want to know what another uh, word is used there? Patience. It's. So what he's getting at is this very thing is the thing that we're going through that isn't working out how we think it should, thought it should, planned it to, to work out, is the very thing that God is using to give us stability and strength and that which is going to cause us to stay steady, immovable, because we're standing on the rock of Jesus, because we're standing on him, not on my plans, my dreams, my thoughts of how things should be, ought to be. Because that narr- if I follow that narrative, I am going to go down. I've got to follow the narrative of Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord and his ways are true. Lord, by your spirit, I will follow them. I will do them. I will obey them. Now that gets, because that opens up the whole myriad of the entire gospel. Everything that Jesus said is good for our goodness, for us to grow in him. I was going to talk about Luke chapter 15. I, I think I might try to save it for next week, or maybe I'll go somewhere else. I don't know. The Holy Spirit might take me somewhere. But I want us to understand this because, and then I read this last part of this James chapter one, of the verse four. And 
And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I read that this morning and just was overwhelmed, overcome by the Spirit of God that said, that's my inheritance for you as my child. To be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I am a good father and I love you. And this is what I long to give you and pour into your life. If you let me, trust me, follow me. I will give you what I know is good for you. Not what I think, but what God says what I know is good and perfect. And there is no want, there is no lack, for he is my shepherd. And when we get there, I believe that's a place where stuff can happen. The world's crumbling. The world needs answers, and his name is still Jesus. Let's give them the answers that they need. Let's not water it down. Let's be people of faith that trust him and trust him completely. Torn Wells, he has a song that I absolutely just, it comes on the radio, and I turn it up because I love it, and it's Joy in the Morning. And I think because there's this line in there, and it's really warm in here, so I'm going to finish up with this. And there's a line in the song that says this, because it ain't even faith until your plan falls apart, but you still choose to follow. And there will be joy in the morning. I don't know about you, but I, I asked that for my wife and I, for my home and for this church that we would wake up with joy every morning. Wake up with joy every morning, because I know we need it, right? Hello? So when we go through stuff, and we will, we are, he says to consider it joy. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your love for us. That's truly above and beyond what we can ask or imagine that is so far, it seems like it's so unattainable to think that you love me. You love me, a broken sinner. And I'm reminded so many times that you love me not because I'm a lovable person, but because you are absolutely full of love. And when we just know that, and we know that the only, the only truth and the only rock to stand on is who you are in us and through us. Oh, Jesus, there is joy. A joy that is unspeakable full of glory and we need your joy oh we we press into your joy lord i'm even asking right now this very moment and in this very moment 
where it seems like joy is unattainable in my life. It's you would by your spirit that you would by your spirit right now instill within each and every one of us your joy your joy as we trust you just completely lean on you and trust you as your children thank you for the inheritance of life we give you glory in Jesus name Amen.